This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. turn to, to, to Mark chapter 6 and we're going to read from, from verse 34. I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning to, to know that we, we, we actually are part of a God that's a supernatural God, amen, who works in amazing supernatural ways. And So I want to encourage you this morning, in the midst of it, I know some of us have got real challenges and all the challenges that we're facing. To not lose sight that the God that we worship is a supernatural God and does supernatural things. Well-known story, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I just want to maybe bring out some keys of how we can really, really encounter the, the supernatural workings of God. Mark 6 and verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were sh- like sheep, not having a shepherd. So be- he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages, and they might buy for themselves bread. For they have nothing to eat. But they answered and said, said You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks, in hundreds, and in in fifties, And when he had taken the the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples, set them before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. They all took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those who had eaten the the loaves were about five thousand men. Notice they always make, they always record the men. Sorry about that, but you know. Uh, <laughs> I just want to just to see this sense that I just believe with all my heart that, you know, Jesus expects his church to be supernatural. He's a supernatural God, and I, I believe he wants, expects his church to, to be a supernatural people. And I, I don't think sometimes we realize how much God wants to use us. Sometimes. We're waiting for God, but after another time, God's waiting for us. Amen. He's, he's just waiting for us. The Bible just encourages some incredible things. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He's now at work in us. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says that greater works will, than these will you do. I just wonder this morning, just really have some insights on how really God does miracles. 
I just believe with all my heart that God wants you to experience the supernatural. I want you to get that right down into your thinking. To really believe that God wants me to encounter and to experience the supernatural. Often we think it's often for some unusual place or for a certain group of people or, or for certain seasons. And often because of that, we, we just don't get ourselves in a position for God to move. And I just want to encourage you to believe here and now that God wants us to experience the supernatural and to flow in the supernatural. When you look at verse 30, so you go in this chapter, look what happened, this, how this story came about. You see it in verse 13. This is what Jesus spoke the disciples to. He says, he says, and they cast out many demons, anointed with oil many who were sick, and they healed them. And it seems to me that Jesus' plan has always been for us to flow in the supernatural. You know, the commission that Jesus gave, I think, is, is an incredible, dynamic commission. And it, is, it requires commitment, perseverance, to really make our lives count. And really the commission is to go out and make Jesus known and to move in the supernatural. That really is the commission, in, in, a, in, in essence. To make Jesus known and to move in supernatural. Doesn't matter what our background is. Doesn't matter what our past has been. The possibility of God working through you is utterly immense. Isn't that right? Now often we believe Jesus can do miracles. I don't think anyone in this room doesn't believe that Jesus can't do miracles. Is that right? But the problem is... We don't really believe that Jesus will do them through us. Or we always kind of think it's always going to be for someone else. I think the real spirit that the Western church, if you like, struggles with is a real spirit of unbelief. You know, the Western world really battles with unbelief. And I was actually thinking about how this unbelief can so easily get our hearts. And I was thinking often, the problem is, it's not that we need more faith. We need less doubt. That's the real issue. It's not that we, we need God to sort of increase the faith. I think we just need less doubt. I've often said this, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. And so I think doubt is something that so hinders and so restricts what God wants to do. And I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that suggests that it's not normal for believers to flow in the supernatural. Bible says, those who believe, it doesn't say particularly those apostles or whatever else, it says, those that believe, signs will follow them. Is that right? That's what the Bible says. They lay hands on the sick and so forth and so forth. I always remember years and years ago when I was a very, very young Christian, preaching in the open air, being very, very naive, and this guy came to me, he was a Almost a professional heckler, that's what he used to do. He used to love, heck, you know, open airs, he used to love to get there to heckle them and find fault in. But the amazing thing was, he was very knowledgeable about the Bible. So here am I, I'm preaching this open air. He comes to me afterwards, says, do you believe the Bible? 
I went, yes, obviously, and asking me these questions, so forth and so forth. And then he reads to me, Mark 16. He says, do you believe? And I said, yes. He said, okay then, have you ever laid hands on the sick? And he went through a whole list of things. And I have to say, actually, that was not true of me. And something stirred in me from that day on that, that God wants to raise up a supernatural people. The supernatural works of God flowing through us. Look at one verse in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I just want this to get deep down in your spirit, and we're, then we're going to look at a few keys, really, from, this, from Mark 6. But It says that, but the, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. What that is really talking about is that God wants to manifest himself through us. But the issue is positioning yourself for God to flow through you. Praying. Hungering from God. Having a desire for God to touch your life. And as you set your heart to seek God, as you seek God, as you hunger for Him, as, as you desire Him, then that positions you for God to begin to work through your life. To have an expectation for God to move. To begin to listen to His voice. To begin to follow His promptings. And I believe every single believer has the potential to do it. And I believe that that our world, if you like, needs you and I to be flowing and moving in the supernatural power of God. I kind of would, I would probably guess there's not one of us in this room that has not got connection with someone right now who is hurting and breaking. Somebody who hasn't, who's not going through some incredible challenge or heartache or some area of abuse. I don't think there's one of us in this room that doesn't know one person in that condition right now. Is that right? And that shows me there's a world out there that desperately needs a touch from God. Desperately needs God to touch their lives. Desperately needs you and I to rise up and let God do his work through us. People all around us in our sphere of influence. And the only breakthrough they're going to get is when we pray for their breakthrough and begin to reach out and touch them. This story tells us, says this in, I think, about verse 33. It says that so a bit further down right there. He says that they, they came to this deserted place in verse 35. And they were hungry and, and, and desperate. People today are, I think they're sick of religion. They're sick of feeling oppressed. Sick of feeling miserable and depressed. And they're looking for someone to impact them with something from the living God. Amen. Look, this is about 31 here. This is interesting. It says that the, 
the disciples were absolutely incredibly tired. They just performed, they'd gone on a major ministry tour, healing the sick, doing a, a, you know, amazing supernatural things, and they were weary, they were tired. And Jesus says, he says, Jesus says in verse 31, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Why they were there, all these multitudes are kind of drawn to them. And he says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And the disciples wanted to get rid of the crowd. There's almost this sense, you know what, we've done our bit for God. You know, we've been out there, we've been doing this, we've been doing that. We've done all the kind of we feel we can do. You know, I think the key to seeing the supernatural is something very simple. It's to take our eyes off ourselves. When I talk about the supernatural, the supernatural is not always spectacular. God can do supernatural things, and when he does supernatural things, they're not always spectacular, if you like. They often take place through acts of kindness, through small things, reaching out to people. What we need to say, God, open my eyes to the condition of the people around me. Help me to see what is really there. You know, I'll tell you something that's great to do. Do some prayer walking. Prayer around, you know, walk around your estates, walk around the places where you live, and just begin to pray and say, God, open my eyes to the needs of the people around me. Help me to see people through your perspective. Help me to see people the way you see people. People, help me to, to, to look beyond myself and to look out to the needs of others. Begin to build in me this heart of compassion. Help me to, to, to feel like expose myself to the need of others. You know how you get compassion? By exposing yourself to people who are broken and hurting. And the more you kind of expose yourself, connect yourself... With hurting, broken people, the more compassion will begin to kind of rise up in your heart. And I think when that begins to work in you, something of God's miracle working power begins to kind of flow out of that. I found that more and more. The more you inconvenience yourself, the more you kind of do something that is sacrificial for somebody else, the more you open the way for God to do something incredible and supernatural. When you step out of that comfort zone, if you like, and, and position yourself with people that need that touch from God, and you reach out to them in some way, then you position yourself for God to do something incredibly supernatural through your life. Can you say amen? And I found compassion is the key to flowing and moving in what God wants to do. Notice this. You always will need a faith initiative. Someone's got to stretch out. Someone's got to believe for that miracle to happen. The Bible says the disciples sent them away. They did not see that the people's problems was their problems. And there again is our problem. We think the people's problems out there is their problems. Nothing to do with us. That's their problems. 
God wants you to see that you are the solution to their problems. He wants you to get a hold of that. That, that you're the solution. You're the one that brings Christ to them. You're, if you like, the answer that flows through them to meet people's needs. And I don't think God's problem is working the miracles, but he's looking for people who will position themselves enough in order that he can engage the miracles through. And that really comes out of beginning to identify yourself with the broken and the hurting around you. And they're all around us. You don't have to look very far. But you begin to identify. You begin to connect. You begin to say, let me be a channel, God, to reach out and touch them. Help me to look beyond myself. But Lord, help me to realize you've placed me here to be a transforming agent. I love that word. That's what we are. We are transforming agents in our communities, in our workplaces, wherever we are, we are transforming agents. You see that? We transform what environment we're in. We, are tra- we, we transform the atmosphere. We, we transform the environment. We transform where we are. God has called us to be people who bring transformation. And when we kind of get a hold of that, that I'm not there by accident, whatever your workplace is, wherever you live, wherever that is, you're not there just by accident. God has put you there. He's connected you with certain people. He's put people in your life and around your life. And you're there as a transforming influence in their lives. And when you get a hold of that, you then begin to be a conduit. Because you realize that you haven't in yourself got the power to touch them. How many realize that? You see the need. You see all that's around you. And you realize in yourself you can't meet it. But again, you begin to realize you know somebody who can. And out of that comes a, a flow of God that begins to reach out and touch. Look at verse 30, I think it's verse 38. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Here's the amazing thing. God takes what we have. When you get older, God takes what we have. Sometimes we look at what we don't have rather than looking what we do have. They're amazing. We need to look at what we have rather than what we don't have. When God comes to Moses to perform an amazing supernatural work, Deliver the children of Israel. He didn't say to Moses, look at what you don't have. He says to him, look at what you have. What he had wasn't a lot. But God says, what have you got? And all he had was a rod. Remember that? He had a rod. And God says, I'm going to use what you have. I'm going to use that rod to deliver a nation. He said to the widow woman, who had just a little bit of oil. Start with what you have. Empty vessels, I will pour into that. And God always starts with what you have rather than what you don't have. Sometimes we think we've got absolutely nothing to give. I think we'd be amazed if we really looked at what we had. Really looked at the things that we have. 
the abilities and the talents that sometimes we don't even know we have. Maybe you could bake a cake. You'd be amazed how God can use that. Maybe you can make cards. Maybe you can write cards of amazing encouragement. I honestly think if we could really look at what we have and let God use what we have, I think we'd be amazed at what God could do. So don't start minding what we don't have. That never gets a miracle. Use what you have. Start with what you have. Make what you have available to God. The gifts, the talents, the resources. You say, God, I'm making that available to you. Use what I have. It doesn't seem a great deal, but I want to make it available to you. I can only really write words of encouragement. I can only write cards that encourage people. You'll be amazed, the impact, just that kind of thing can have. And just say, God, this is what I have. It's not a lot. It's not anything vast. It's not some amazing gift or ability. But what I have, I'm making available to you. You know, you might be someone that has an amazing smile. How some poor cashier at Waitrose needs that smile. Amen. And so you just give what you have and say, God, no matter how small there is, I'm making it available to you. And you watch God take that and it begins to multiply it. It begins to enlarge it and you'll be amazed of how many people can be impacted just by the things that we have that we make available to God. I've often shared this story before. Apologize for that. But I'm not a really great musician or I'm not a really great guitar player. I'm not really musical like Lydia or Caris or Amy. I don't know where they got that gene from, but it certainly wasn't from me. Uh, but I could play a few chords on a guitar. I could kind of do that, very basically. And I remember years and years ago, some guys, were, I don't know, they lost their mind or something, but they asked me to give them guitar lessons. They weren't Christians, they weren't saved. But I gave them guitar lessons. The only song I knew was Daddy's Taking Us to the Zoo Tomorrow. That's all I knew. <laughs> and that's the only song I taught them. And so for a week, and they thought it was cool. And I remember, he was the, I mean, I remember the bother, bother boot. Remember that? Hey, the bother, and so these guys had trousers up to here, bother boots, singing Daddy's Taking Us to the Zoo Tomorrow. And I remember playing that. <laughs> and that went on for weeks and weeks. They thought it was so cool they could play a song. But you know, both of those guys came to Christ after weeks and weeks of just teaching them a guitar lesson. And I'm not the world's grace to do that, but we've got gifts, we've got abilities, we've got talents. We're saying, and you, and far greater than what I had, really. We say, God, use that. Use what I have to bring supernatural blessing through that. Let me quickly move on. Just a few things. The thing about a miracle is that you need to speak and act. You've got to say something. You've got to do something. Look what Jesus did in verse, kind of verse 34. Sorry, verse, verse 37. So verse 39, just need you to wait. Uh, he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. Must have been whales on the green grass. They all sat down in the green grass. What was Jesus doing there? He was building expectancy. He told them to sit down. 
even though the miracle had not yet taken place, he said, sit down, get ready for a feed, and he's building anticipation and expectation. Miracles always require expectation. The crowds didn't have any food, but he's willing to sit them all down, and he even said grace over it. I love the stories of George Muller. Now, he, he would have no food at all to feed all the orphans there, and he fed thousands of orphans. And in the orphanages, they'd all be there, and he'd say, let's say grace. And there was nothing on their place, no food whatsoever. And he would get them all to hold hands and says, come on, let's say grace, let's thank God for this food. No food there. And within just a few minutes, there'd be a knock at the door, and somebody saying, Mr. Muller, I just felt God telling me to bring food. And that was story after story, how, how he began just to have such an expectation in his heart for a miracle. And I think if that expectation is to be there, the basis is where you are looking. Notice what Jesus said. He looked up into heaven. His expectation wasn't from the people. His expectation wasn't from the resources that he had in his hands. The Bible says he looked up to heaven. And there's no other resource. We've got to recognize that it often is based and expectancy comes where we are looking. That's where expectancy comes. Where are you looking? Are you looking at people? Are you looking at the resources that you have? Are you looking at your circumstances? Because if your expectation comes from those things, you'll have no expectation. But Jesus' expectation came from heaven. He says, Father, I'm looking to you. And because my expectation is looking to you, I believe for a miracle. I've got anticipation that you will manifest your power. You know, that's why praise is so important. Praise builds expectation. Someone said this, God does not show up where he's tolerated, but he shows up where he's celebrated. So that's what praise is. You're praising God for something that has not yet happened. But you praise because you believe it will happen. There's expectation in your heart that something will break through. And I found that so important that when you're praying for the sick, when you're praying for needs in people, don't look at their condition. Don't look at their situation because the more you focus your eyes on that, the more fear will rise up in you. But make sure your eyes are set towards heaven. Make sure you're looking to Jesus. You're looking to him. And if you look to him and you focus on him and your expectations on him, then it's amazing what God will do. Keep your eye on the source. Don't keep your eye on the problem. Don't keep your eye on the circumstance. Keep your eye on the source. And I found that. I say, Lord, I don't, when, I, when we pray for people, we don't look at their situation. We say, Lord, we are looking on to you. There's nothing in myself that can meet their need. For I know as I connect with you, you have the power, you have the ability to meet their needs. Can you say amen? And here's the next thing, which is so powerful. We often lose sight of this. The Bible says he took those loaves, took those fishes, and he blessed it. Isn't that powerful? He blessed it. See there in verse 41. He took the loaves, looked up to heaven, and he blessed 
and broke the loaves. He blessed it. I think that is such an awesome power. If we want things in our lives to change, then the key so often is learning to speak blessings into those dry, barren circumstances, situations. You know, I looked up what the word, the Hebrew word for blessings is the word barak. And it means to speak the intentions of God. In other words, true blessing spoken over someone is something you're describing the way God sees them. And blessing almost is a prophetic insight to see someone or something the way it's supposed to be. Not the way it appears at this moment, not the way it is as it was, but as you're blessing, you're speaking God's intentions to change that situation around. And every time you, you speak blessing over someone, you're saying, God, this is your expectation over that person. You want them to be whole. You want them to be well. You want them to be strong. You want them to receive peace. So when you speak blessings, you are speaking God's expectations over that person. And I found this, that when you declare God's intentions over that person, you release his ability to change from where they are to where God desires them to be. Isn't that powerful? You can face a circumstance. Or you can see someone and it's a difficult situation. They're going through a difficult situation. Instead of moaning, complaining, begin to say, God, I'm speaking blessing over them and I'm speaking your intentions for their life. You intend, you intend them to be peaceful. You intend them to be full of joy. You intend them to fulfill your purpose in their life. And you begin to speak blessings. And here's the thing is, you release the ability of God to come into that and to begin to change it. How many have ever found that moaning and groaning about something ever changes it? Is that right? But when you speak the blessing of God over it, you release the intentions of God to come. Let me very quickly give you one verse, which I just discovered the other day, I think is such a, a powerful verse. Proverbs 28, verse 20. Just what he loves. He says, A faithful man will abound with blessings. Isn't that amazing? A faithful man will abound. He'd be full of blessing. That's what God wants. He wants us to be people who are just full of blessing. It's coming out of our mouth, through our actions, through, our, through, through the way we live our lives. We, we are just seeking to be a blessing to others around. We are abounding with blessings. In every area, in every sphere of our life, we're abounding with blessings. Let me just give you very quickly what it means to bless. It means you feel it with your heart, you mean it with your spirit, and you say it with your mouth. In other words, you feel it in your heart. You just see that person. And you feel the, the vision that God has for their life. And you feel it in your heart. And, and, and you begin to, to, to mean it inside your heart. And then you say it with your mouth. So you believe it with your heart. And you connect it by saying it with your mouth. And you say, Lord, I bless 
I bless you. Oh, that circumstance that, that, that is so difficult and so hard, I bless you. I bless that circumstance. And, and I bless you that, that you'll bring your will and your, pur- your purpose to bear in that situation, in that circumstance, in that person. And the more you begin to do that, your person abounds with blessings. Two last things. Jesus required the disciples to take action. And we notice, the bread, where did the bread multiply? You know what? It didn't multiply in the hands of Jesus. It multiplied in the hands of the disciples. It's actually as they gave that out that the miracle happened. As we step out and do something we've never done before, you'll be amazed how God begins to work. When we begin just to to take the little we have and we begin to step out with it and we begin to move in it, God takes the natural things and does supernatural things with them. Get a hold of that. He takes natural things and does supernatural things with them. Now, all these are principles that Jesus was showing the disciples. It was more than just the feeding the 5,000. Jesus wanted the disciples to see principles. Principles that bring miracles. Because there's the point, a little further on in that story, you'll find the disciples forgot all about it. And Jesus reminded them, he says, remember the feeding of the 5,000. Don't forget. Remember that miracle. It's interesting that when Jesus, when all the fragments, when all the leftovers were collected, the Bible says there was 12 basketfuls. You know, the word, the number 12 is always symbolic of God's government. It's symbolic of how God operates, of how the kingdom operates, how God does things. And he's saying to them, This is how I operate. Remember the principles. Allow those principles to get in your heart and the same principles that fed the 5,000 are the same principles you can use to meet every given need in your life. Remember what was required. See the principles and allow those principles to work in your situation. Let me close with this. This is powerful. The Bible says, Jesus said, pick up the fragments. Don't let anything be wasted. I just felt like that was a strong word for people here today. Whatever you've been through actually can be preparation for your miracle. Nothing that actually hits our life, God can use everything. Nothing is wasted in life. Isn't that amazing? See, things are happening with people who aren't believers, and it's kind of just an experience or something they forget about. But for the believer, the person who's in the hand of God, no matter how bad that experience is, the Bible says God can use that experience. He can use every single thing that's happened in our life. Isn't that amazing? It need never be wasted. One of the greatest titles I ever saw for a book was this, Don't Waste Your Sorrows. You'll be amazed that God can use it. Even the most heartbreaking situation, you'll be amazed how in the days ahead, 
God will put someone right beside you who's going through exactly what you've been through. And you know exactly what they feel. You know their feelings. You know their hurt. You know their pain. You perfectly identify with that because you went through it. It's a fragment that God is using to perform a miracle in somebody else's life. Isn't that amazing that God can do that? He can take even our mistakes, take hold of them, use them to actually benefit something in our God is never wasteful. Isn't that wonderful? He says, pick every fragment up. I can do something with it. Thank you for listening to this free download from Lachalini Love Church. For more downloads, information, or to contact us, please visit our website, thelachalini.co.uk.